0: Previously on Normalize Podcast.
1: Everything is one big illusion. There is nothing. It is all manufactured fake to control us. You are slowly manufactured from birth on. Slowly molded into something. You are slowly formed into a personality by other people. You have to act a certain way to fit in. Why do you feel the need to remind people who you are? I'm Buddhist, I'm sick, I'm gonna die soon. Sometimes I can't tell the difference between talking to myself in my mind and talking to others. Sometimes I don't know if I'm talking to myself or others. Do you do this as a constant reminder that you have it so you don't forget? It's like you have eight clones of yourself surrounding you, going with you everywhere you go, There's always a different leader at different times that controls you. Each clone is fighting you to be the leader of you. And sometimes you realize it and you fight back to control it. And sometimes you have no idea and don't do anything and then realize it later. Who the hell are you? At work, you are the goofy, hippie, laid back, schizo space cadet. At home, you're quiet, more serious. At your parents, you're the closest to you, but not quite. Alone, you are you. What I just did was read to you some excerpts from my journaling. So with that said, I have Dissociative Identity Disorder, formerly known as Multiple Personality Disorder. The first dead body I ever saw was around 1988, 89. I would have been about 11 years old, and uh, it was my great-grandmother. And that was the first time I ever saw my dad cry. But the first major death in my life would have been my grandfather, uh, my mom's father. One by one, the grandparents died. I don't have any left, and, or aunts or uncles. The biggest loss of my life so far was my brother. We were born a year and uh, 10 months apart. We were like twins, we dressed alike. We followed each other around We were definitely best friends. You know, we kind of split apart for a while and reconciled. And we each got our own families, you know, wife and kids. We ended up living in the same town. And everything was great. And then one afternoon in, let's see, that'd be 2014, he was mowing the lawn. And he came back inside and he told his wife his stomach hurt. So the next morning, he was still sick and they knew something was really wrong. So they went to the local hospital here and they found a tumor in his abdomen. Yeah, I'll never forget, I was down there for one of the hospital visits. And the doctor came in and said how he was doing. And my brother was like, well, what, what are you saying? and the doctor said, go do your bucket list. Now. It started to get worse. You know, he started to lose a lot of weight, lose all his hair, be real sickly. He he never cried, he never got upset, he never got mad, he was never like, why me? You know, he still smiled through the whole thing. So then it's just me and my brother and his wife, and we're all sitting together, my brother is just barely breathing. And his wife says she had to go upstairs to get something. Literally, as she gets up the stairs, he stops breathing. And I just, I just stopped him in tracks. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I should shake him. Like, do, do, do I try to? What do you do? You try to get him back? He was suffering. You know? So I just stopped. I didn't do anything. I just stared at him. And then his wife came down the stairs and looked at him, looked at me, and she knew, and she let out this scream that was one of the worst sounds I've ever heard in my life. It's really made me reflect on life more it's really made me like value life more and really appreciate every second we have I'm trying to make sure i do everything i want to do so there's no regrets one of the last things my brother told me was don't work so much play harder than you work i've been trying to do that trying to enjoy life more trying to spend time with family more and. Actually, tell them how I feel about them.
0: I don't know how many times in life I've said that I'm going to focus more on family, especially if it's you know inspired by a death. That I'm going to really live by a different set of rules. That. Allows me to find more peace and joy out of life, and it's been one of the things that's really has been a struggle for me. And I, I admit. What is good, everybody? What is good? This is CJ, your host for the Normalized Podcast. As always, I thank you for your time and attention. Uh, NormalizePodcast.com is where you can find all the episodes um, in this wonderful podcast, if I say so myself, which I do believe. And if you like the show, by all means, please share it with your friends. We are in season three. This is Jake's third and final episode. For those who aren't familiar with the podcast, first two seasons, I share my journey to becoming normal. Season three, I have four guests to share their journey to becoming normal. They each get three episodes so you can build a good relationship with them. And they just explain what their journey's been like. And it's been a very rewarding experience for me. I've spoken to them offline. I know it's been a very rewarding experience for them. Um, I've said this repeatedly, and I probably will say this to the day I die. I'm internally grateful for what they've been able to do for them, being brave, for them exposing themselves, um, for making themselves vulnerable, All, all in hopes of helping you out. Because I know it helps them out, but the reality is it really does help you out if you're listening. Uh, because I'm sure you're able to empathize with with their stories. Everybody's stories are a little different, but there's a little bit of everybody's story in all of us, right? Uh, so Jake, Jake is here for his third and final show. And his first episode, he kind of broke it down like the good, the bad, the ugly. He started off with the ugly, and he talked about growing up, some of um, the, the bad decisions and the inappropriate behavior he had, and perhaps some of the entitlement which allowed him to get away with some of the things that he did. And it was great because he was able to recognize that. And then he moved on to talk about his experiences with death, which we all have experiences. I haven't had experiences as like profound as he had, so he was able to share those. This third and final episode is perhaps one of the more important episodes um, that I think any of my guests have done or myself. And here's a disclaimer, Jake is my wife's cousin, so I've known Jake for 15 years. Um, but Jake talks about what his wife Erin and him have to have to deal with when with raising their daughter Julia. And... I'm going to let him get into the details of what she has to live with, but she's not able to live as what we would call a normal life. And when you see them, you may initially think, gosh, how do they do that? And what Jake talks about is sometimes he can look at other people and think, wow, how do we do it? The reason why he's able to do that is because he's grateful. Um, He has gratitude. No matter what God has tossed at him in life, you know, with the support of his family and with the humility inside him he's able to just live life on life's terms and it's just a really powerful story and like i say with these um third episodes i'm not going to take up any more airspace. i'm going to let them end it on the right note thank you for your time and attention i'll catch you on the next episode
1: hey gang jake here for my third and final episode If you recall, I talked about how my life is like the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the first two episodes, I talked about the bad and the ugly, so I wanted to end things on a high note and uh, talk about the good in my life. And I really should say the great in my life. I want to uh, tell you a little bit about my daughter, Julia. Uh, She is the best thing that has ever happened to me and my wife and uh we are extremely lucky to have her now i know a lot of parents say that about our, their kids uh our story is a little different so let me let me go back in time here for a minute uh 20 years ago me and my wife got married we were just newlyweds and having fun in life and partying weren't ready to settle down by any means couple years go by and my wife starts getting sick. She finds out she has uh, Crohn's disease. So with her Crohn's disease, it was pretty severe. Uh, She had to go into the hospital routinely for infusions. Maybe a year after that, several doctors told her she could never have kids. Uh, And these were big-time hospitals like Johns Hopkins, Pittsburgh Hospital, Mercy Hospital in Baltimore, GBMC. So it's like four different doctors told her, You'll never have kids. So, you know, we were kind of bummed out, but at the same time, we were young and fun and we didn't let it affect us too much. Uh, but then one time, uh, my wife got extremely sick and went into the hospital, and they ran her through all kinds of tests. The doctor comes in and he's looking at her file while talking and he goes, okay, so you know you're pregnant, um, but also, and we're like, wait, 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 what? Go back. What, What? He's like, well, yeah, you know you're pregnant, right? And we're like, no, that's impossible. You know, we were told by many doctors that we can't have kids. And he's like, oh, no. You're definitely pregnant. I mean, we just were floored. You know, our jaws dropped and, you know, I think we were both crying. We just couldn't believe it. You know, we weren't trying because we didn't think she could have kids. After the shock settled down, you know, we were happy that she was pregnant and we were gonna have a baby. One of the first sonograms showed something was off with our daughter's ventricles in her brain. I think they were enlarged which could be a sign of um problem we were worried definitely concerned but you know we we kept living we kept moving on forward and then our daughter was born it was a normal birth everything seemed fine she came out beautiful she seemed perfect a couple months go by and we're at my wife's uh mom's house for a weekend she uh started doing this thing where she would clench her fists. My daughter would clench her fists and her face and her whole body would clench. And, you know, me and my wife kind of didn't really think much of it. We just kind of thought she had gas. Like she was like squinting, like, you know, straining. (laughs) So we kind of thought it was cute. But my wife's aunt, who was a nurse was like, you know, no, no, no. <laughs> Something's wrong. You know, that looks like a seizure to me. So, you know, I was in denial. I was like, "No, she's fine." You know, you don't know what she you're talking about. She's fine. My wife though wasn't very confident. You know, she was concerned. So, when we got back home, we took our daughter to the pediatrician. And he saw the the straining, the clenching, the squinting. He's like, no, that's not a seizure. She's fine. I think it's gas or something. So I was like, yes, vindication. I feel good. (laughs) But my wife still wasn't sold. She still thought something was off. Something happened where um, she was doing this more and more. We took her to the local hospital here. And they ran some tests. And they said, okay, yes, something's wrong she's having seizures but we can't we can't handle her here we're going to send her to a children's hospital an hour away <sighs> so i'm like oh my god okay so they send her us to the children's hospital an hour away then it starts to get hardcore then they're running tests all day i think we were there several days actually i just remember the main doctor coming in and saying okay your daughter has a. cardi syndrome and we're like what we never heard of that what you know what you know he spells it it's A I C A R D I. A Cardi syndrome and he starts telling us it's a very rare syndrome only a couple hundred kids in the world have it and it's only with girls unless a boy has both chromosomes which have i think there's only been one or two extremely rare and it Entails seizures, uh, missing the middle part of the brain, and uh, lesions in the eyes. Very developmental delay, physical uh, impairments as well. And he says at the end kids with A. Cardi syndrome don't make it to two years old generally. So we felt like we were hit by a truck. I mean, seriously we were hit by a truck. I mean, it was bad. Crying and crying and crying. And of course, going online and Googling, which was probably the worst thing to do because it just makes everything worse. It's like going on WebMD, you know, and just diagnosing yourself, you know, it's stupid. So life stopped for us right then and there. Like the world stopped revolving. I mean, it was crazy. I really felt like we were in the hospital forever. But I mean, I think it was only a couple days. They hooked us up with a caseworker. They helped us a little bit. We had to get equipment. We had to do all these things, these modifications of our home bed for her, you know, all these special things. She had to have surgeries. After a while, she, she was unable to eat, like formula or breast milk. She would choke on it aspirate and every time that would happen she would get aspiration pneumonia which would put her in the hospital so she had to have a g-tube put in um, just a tube in the belly so the formula goes through the tube directly into the belly so she's had nothing by mouth after that ever many other surgeries scoliosis is very common with kids like these she had to um, have rods put in her back. Which the initial surgery, she nearly died. And then she had about twelve surgeries after that because when the she growed, when she grew, <laughs> um, they had to go in and extend them each time to match with her height. And then when she stopped growing, they had to go in and fuse the spine. Where she almost died during that, too. Because those are big, huge, open surgeries. So she's been through hell and back. But I'm happy to say she's turning 15 tomorrow. 15 years old. The doctor told us, too, if we were lucky. That's why we are extremely lucky and fortunate to have her. She is something else. I'm not just saying this because she's my daughter. Because... Strangers say it. I mean, she just lights up The room you know, you look at her and you can't help but smile. She is such an angel Yeah, you know, I've seen people in bad moods or mad and they take a look at her and they smile It's unbelievable. They change they change and the stuff that she's gone through and goes through I mean seizures all day every day all the surgeries. She's been stuck by needles probably thousands of times you know, every time she gets a shot or anything or an IV, they have to find a vein, which is impossible for her. So they stick her so many times. She never cries. She, like, looks at the nurse and say, that all you got? <laughs> I mean, here, my wife can't even watch him do it. She's so squirmish, you know, squeamish. Like, Like, <laughs> she can't even see the sight of it. And so she is extremely tough. I mean, she's tougher than both me and my wife combined. She has had a tough life uh, just with everything I've I've mentioned. Our lives have definitely changed for the better. It's definitely a different type of life. You know, we have in-home nursing. We've had this since, you know, we found out about her condition. So almost 15 years we've had in-home nursing, 20 hours a day. So almost 24 hours, there's a stranger in our house which was definitely an an adjustment. Probably the hardest for me, because I grew up in a family, we were kind of private and quiet, and it was usually just the four of us. You know, even if grandparents wanted to come over, they had to call first. Neighbors, they had to call first. Where my wife's family was very open, they had strangers they took in and helped, and neighbors would just run through the door, was always strangers or people other than family in their home for my wife it wasn't as big of an adjustment as it was for me Uh, of course now i'm used to it it's just life for for me but all of it is just our normal the nurse is always in our home the treatments we do for our daughter you know we're always doing something for her whether it's running a feeding pump giving her medication, doing breathing treatments, treatments we have to do on a, on a regular basis several times a day. That's just our normal. You know, we, ha- we had to put in a ramp. Um, you know, she can't walk. She can't crawl. You know, she can't um, talk. You know, she can't eat. There's all these things she can't do. So we had to uh, modify our house that way. So we have stair lifts and tracking systems on the ceiling, so that we can put her in a sling and you know push her around the house it's kind of cool but you know it's different it's not the the average home uh we had to put in a a big like walk-in bathroom like um with a shower gurney like they have in the hospital for her you know a special hot tub in there uh so everything is specifically modified for her. You know, it's, it's her house. It's my daughter's house. <laughs> we just live here. <laughs> but, um, you know, I wouldn't change any of it. I, I really wouldn't. Um, you know, we always look at the silver linings of everything. Um, because there are, there are a lot of things, you know, we're fortunate for, like, she'll never know the bad things in this world. You know, I watch my nephews sometimes, and I I can't keep track of them. I mean, I mean they're young and running around, and I, I can't imagine. You know, people say they can't imagine how me and my wife take care of our kids. Well, honestly, honestly we can't imagine how parents with two, three, four kids parent their kids. Like we really, it's because of. Everything we've been through, and my wife has learned so much. I call her an honorary doctor. She actually started her own foundation called Silver Linings Foundation, and she does really well with it. And she helps families with uh, special needs, you know, whether it's kids or adults. And it's become her life passion. And I'm really proud of her. So you know, that's definitely been um, born because of daughter. Definitely after the fact. Yeah, she, she's the greatest thing that's ever happened to us. She's taught us so much. I think the biggest thing she's taught us is just to appreciate every little thing in life. Kinda like stop and smell the roses type of thing. I think most parents of a kid, you know, past toddler age really don't think twice when their kid smiles or laughs. You know, I think it it's just becomes so common in every day and every minute. It's not special. But when we see our daughter smile or laugh, I mean, it's the greatest thing on earth. It really is. She can communicate with her emotions. She might not be able to talk, but she communicates with her emotions and and her smiles and her laughs. and. It has made us appreciate every second and every minute of our, our lives. And you know, we, we've tried to make it the best for her. And um, I, I think we have. If you've learned anything from this, just stop. Smell the roses, appreciate things, even the littlest things. Don't take don't take things for granted. You know, we don't know how long we have. You know, we're just passing through this earth. I think we only have one chance at this. You know, make it the best. So I I love you all. I love you, CJ. Thank you for giving me the chance to speak. You've helped me just by giving me this chance to get things out. And I appreciate you for it. So keep doing what you're doing because I love you. Peace, y'all.
0: NormalizePodcast.com.